0: So we've been talking the past few weeks, we've talked about the power of prayer, we've talked about the importance of prayer, um, but have you ever thought about the privilege of prayer? Prayer is a privilege. You know, we get this unique opportunity to come into the presence of God. And you know, I I can't really imagine for any of us, and maybe I'm doing you a disservice here, but I can't believe that many of us, if any of us, will get the chance to stand in front of Uh, the King of England and maybe have a conversation with him. You know, we were at the AOG conference a few weeks ago and Pastor Glyn Barrett actually had to leave the conference to go down to London um, for a rehearsal for the coronation service. And in that moment, he did get to meet the King. He got to stand in front of the King and shake his hand and have a brief conversation with him. But for most of us, you know, Joe blogs on the street, probably not something that we're going to get to do. But that doesn't really matter because we have this unique opportunity where we get to stand before the king of kings, the creator of the universe, and have a conversation. We have that privilege of being able to to do that. And it's, you know, we should never take it for granted. We should never take prayer for granted. So we've been looking over the past few weeks at the triune nature of prayer, that we pray to the Father through the Son, and then this morning we're going to look at praying in the Spirit, being Pentecost Sunday, you'd think we planned it, wouldn't you? So let me just give you a little context before we before we jump in this morning. So after Jesus was crucified, and then three days later, he rose again, and he spent 40 days just preparing his disciples for their future without him. He was just kind of preparing them, getting them ready for, you know, they'd spent three years hanging out with Jesus, learning from him, um, teaching with him, being part of the miracles that he performed, and they spent this time in just close proximity with him, but he was going, And so he needed to just get them ready for that, that I'm not going to be here much longer. You're going to have to do this on your own a little bit. And so he spent some time preparing them um, and he gave them the great commission to go into all the world, to preach the good news of Jesus, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then in Luke chapter 24, he says this. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And I love this because Jesus has just told the disciples to go, to go into all the world, to do this thing. He's just given them a job to do. But then he says, but before you go, I want you to wait. Before you go and do this thing I've asked you to do, I want you to wait. Who here likes to wait? Don't we love sitting in traffic jams on the motorway? Don't we choose to join the longest queue in the supermarket? We just love to wait, don't we? You know, I think for many of us that if we knew what we needed to do, if we knew that we had a job that we needed to get done, we'd probably just get stuck in and do it. But Jesus said to the disciples, wait. He said, wait. So I don't know about, about you. Maybe for me, we just want to go and get stuff done. Even if we know that waiting means that help is on its way. You know, I, I'm going to embarrass you for a minute, Ray. So Ray and V moved house not so long ago and, uh, and they had sofas to move up to a first floor flat. And Ray is a big, strong man. And, and he'd called me up and said, I'm going to need some help. But Instead of waiting for me, he had a go and he got the sofa, one of the sofas up first. On his, I have no idea how he did it. Incredible. He could have waited, but he chose not to wait. But then he waited for the second one and we got it together, didn't we? We did it together. But we, we like to, I mean, it's the same with me. I just like to crack on and get stuff done. I don't like waiting. It feels like wasted time. But Jesus said to the disciples, he said, wait, just Wait. And you will be clothed with power from on high. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with heavenly power. We can rush into stuff. We can rush into getting jobs done, to to doing all of this stuff. But when it comes to prayer, we need to hear these words that Jesus gave to his disciples. And we need to wait. You know, if we dive straight in, instead of waiting on the Holy Spirit to, to join with us in our prayers, we're at risk of praying in the flesh. We're at risk of praying in the flesh. And that is the opposite of what we want. Because when we pray in the flesh, what we're doing is we're relying on our own ability to carry these prayers forward. We're saying, I don't need the Holy Spirit's help in this. I can pray effectively on my own. Have you ever felt like prayer is a chore? That prayer is maybe just... It's a little bit hard work sometimes. Let's get honest with each other. Sometimes you just don't want to pray. So I've got this habit of uh, on a Tuesday and a Thursday morning, I drop the kids at school and then I go on a prayer walk. It takes me about 30 minutes to do this circuit that I've got near the kids' school. And then I've got to get back to, back home and crack on with the things that I need to do. And I'm ashamed to say that sometimes, more often not on a Thursday, I don't know what that's about, but sometimes I just think, I don't have time to do this. My to-do list is massive. I suppose because it's the end of the week, I'm like running out of time. I'm like, I've got a preach to write. I've not done it yet. And so I skip my prayer time and jump into work. What is that about? And I'm hoping I'm not, well, I'm hoping I am on my own if I'm honest, but I think probably I'm not on my own if we're, if we're being honest together. We need to wait We need to wait on the Holy Spirit, not just jump in, not just get to our to-do list, but to wait on the Holy Spirit. Because when we feel like, like prayer is forced when we feel like prayer is is a chore then we might be tempted to to overcome this feeling with uh, with doing it prayer in a different way where we maybe we get really long winded and we just start to like throw in every bible verse we can think of and throw in all those christian phrases we love to to say and you know like i mentioned last week jesus speaks against that And when we're praying prayers like that, when we're just reeling stuff off and we don't even know what it is that we're saying, we're just trying to fill the time with stuff that sounds godly, well that's praying in the flesh because we're not partnering with the Spirit in this. We're just praying in our own efforts. And maybe you struggle because you're praying but then you want to just give up after a certain amount of time and you think, oh, I don't know, maybe my prayer was a bit short. It wasn't long enough to be of value to God. But the the power of your prayer is not defined by the length of your prayer. Help me. That's a short prayer. And you can pray that in an instant. It doesn't matter how long we pray for. It's that we are praying and that we're praying in partnership with the spirit. And so whatever it might be for you these attempts to kind of push past the the difficulty of prayer or the feeling that prayer is a chore when we begin to pray in our own strength it's just a poor imitation of the true power and the authenticity that comes from praying in the Spirit, the freedom that we can feel when we partner with the Holy Spirit in prayer. Because when we pray in the Spirit, He carries our prayer forward. When we pray with the Holy Spirit, He takes it to God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm praying in that way, I can almost feel caught up with my prayers. And, and it's not that I'm babbling on, but it's that I begin to pray stuff I didn't even know that needed prayer. And the Holy Spirit just begins to, begins to carry you along in your prayers, bringing them to life. You know, I believe that the Spirit illuminates our mind and moves our heart and grants us a, a freedom to pray in a way that we can't pray on our own. You can almost imagine prayer like a bike ride. And if the first half of your bike ride is going uphill and the second half of your, of your bike ride is going downhill. Well, that, that first half where you're going uphill and it's a bit of a struggle and you're, you're really needing to push on through it all. Well, that's praying in the flesh. That's what it's like when we're not partnering with the spirit. But then when you get to that, that pinnacle and then you begin to come down the hill. The freedom that comes with just, I don't even need to pedal anymore. I can just lift my feet off even and just fly down this hill. The freedom that comes from that is like the freedom that comes from praying in the spirit. It's that awareness of the downhill energy and the the momentum that indicate to us, yeah, right now, this is how I should be praying. This is what real prayer feels like. You know, when we jump into prayer, when we get, when we get stuck into reeling off the, the requests that we have of God, we miss out on the joy. We miss out on that privilege of being in his presence, of being in his presence. The late Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was minister of uh, Westminster Chapel in London, he said this, the living reality the spirit creates Is the awareness of God's presence. Experiencing his presence will seem much more important than any petition you're going to make. You know, praying in the Spirit allows us to have communion with God, it allows us to have that that conversation with our Heavenly Father that it's a privilege. It's an honour to, to be in his presence, but it's one that is granted to us as followers of Christ. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with a stranger, with someone you don't really know? My dad was excellent at this. He could have conversations with anyone. They were, he would just pull stuff out of nowhere and, and spend ages talking to people and make them feel like they're so important. But for some of us, it's really awkward, isn't it? And it's really uncomfortable and and you just you're almost trying to clutch at straws to find some common ground so you can have some semblance of a conversation with them but when we pray to our heavenly father through the power and the presence of the spirit we're not entering into the throne room as strangers it's not awkward and uncomfortable but we are entering in as sons and daughters And so there is an ease that comes to our prayer life when we pray with the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. Before we go any further on this, I just want to address the the, the maybe the question that some of you have got this morning when we 're talking about praying in the spirit, and that that question might be that when Paul is writing his encouragement to pray in the spirit, is that the same as praying in tongues and and I would argue that no it's not that's not what he's talking about in in this passage because Paul does write about praying in tongues in his first letter to the Corinthians he says. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since no one else will understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. And so clearly there is a situation where praying in the Spirit does mean praying in tongues. But then we read in Scripture that not all speak in tongues. Not everyone is doing that. And so Paul explains in in verse 14, he says, I pray in tongues. When I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't actually understand what it is that I'm saying. But in this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is saying, pray in the Spirit at all times. At all times we need to be praying in the Spirit. And so this is something that all of us should be doing every time that we pray. And then he goes on after that verse to give some prayer requests for the people reading his letter. He says, pray for your fellow believers. He asks for prayer for himself, that he would have the, the right words to speak and the boldness to speak them out. But, but if we know what it is that we're praying, then that does not line up with his description and our understanding of praying in tongues. Because when we pray in tongues, our mind doesn't comprehend what our words are saying. And that's not something I want to spend a lot of time on this morning. I just wanted to just just put that out there if that was something that was maybe going on in your mind this morning. So Paul encourages us to pray in the Spirit. But it's not just our prayer lives that should be done in and and by the Spirit. It's not just our prayers that need to involve the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.16 it says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And in fact, in Romans 8:13 it tells us that if we live by the spirit, we'll put the desires of the flesh to death. In 1 Corinthians 12:3 it says, "We can only declare that Jesus is Lord by the spirit." And in Philippians 3:3, 3, 3, we worship By the Spirit. And so the Spirit is a vital part of our lives as believers, that He should be involved in everything that we do. But this morning we're talking about praying in the Spirit. And so Paul's words in Ephesians that we should pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. This verse actually follows the armor of God. And, you know, many of us know that that passage of scripture really well. And it's this beautiful imagery of how to arm ourselves and stand against the strategies of the enemy. And so Paul tells us to to dress ourselves, to clothe ourselves in the armour of God, the belt of truth, the the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith. I'm reading it because I'll definitely forget one of them. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We are to clothe ourselves with all of this. And then he says that we are to pray in the spirit. But what does he say after he's given that description of the armor of God? He says, once you have clothed yourself with this, and that phrase that he uses when he says clothed with the armor of God is the same as the the message that Jesus says when he says you'll be clothed with power from on high. It's the same word that is being used here. After Paul has said, put on the armor of God, he says... Wait, wait. We love to wait, don't we? He says wait. But I just love this because then he goes on to say that we are to pray in the spirit. And so he's talking about getting battle ready. He's talking about waging war. He's talking about standing strong in the power and the might of our God. Because the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. We have divine power to destroy strongholds. That is the power that comes from the Holy Spirit when we wait on Him. Our prayers, when we're praying in the Spirit, they're a battle cry. As we pray not for ourselves but for our fellow believers, for other people, for the advancement of his kingdom. It's a battle cry because we are waging war against the enemy. The enemy is trying to stop the kingdom being advanced. But we as followers of Christ are here with one mission and one mission only. To take the good news of Jesus into this world. To proclaim grace and salvation to our friends, to our families, to our neighbours, our co-workers. Whoever it is, whoever will listen. Those who won't listen, we got to proclaim it through the words on our lips and the actions of our lives, through the way that we live and the way that we love. That is our mission. That is our goal. This is a battle that we are in. It's not easy for us to go out there and to do this job that God is calling us to do because there is an enemy who is real and alive and active. And so we've got to clothe ourselves with the armour, we've got to get battle ready. We've got to get battle ready. And then we've got to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to, to fill us with the boldness, with the power, with the courage, with the gifts that he has got for us so that we can fulfil this mission, this calling of Jesus on our lives. And the Spirit leads us into the presence of God when we pray in partnership with Him. Not just to rest, but how good it is to rest in the presence of God. And we're going to look at the theme of rest throughout the month of July, and that's going to be an incredible series. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just take us into the presence of God to rest. This is not a passive thing when we are praying, when we are in the the throne room of God, But, but he brings us in with a boldness to plead to our Heavenly Father the promises that he has made for us. Like we were doing last week, that we are filled with this boldness and this courage to plead with God for the things that we want, to plead with God for the things that he has promised for us. You just read the word of God and see the many promises that he has given to us, that the lost will be saved, that the broken will be healed, that we will find rest in him, that we will find life in him, that he will finish the work that he has started, that we can have healing, that we can have peace, that we can have provision, that we can have safety, that we can have comfort, that we can be clothed with power from on high in order to do even greater things than Jesus did. Ah, that gets me every time. Because what did Jesus do? I mean, he walked on water, he turned water into wine, he healed people, he brought people back from the dead, and he rose from the dead. And yet he says to us, we will do even greater things What is even greater than that? But let's believe for it. Let's be filled with this boldness that actually, yes, these are promises of God. And so we will see it in our lives. It's great to hear stories of it happening around the world to other people. But I want some of this. I want some of this in my own life. I want to be able to stand here and give you first-hand testimonies. First-hand testimonies of God's goodness and his power. When we pray in the Spirit, we enter into the throne room of God, already clothed in the grace and the love of Jesus through the work of the cross. And so now we have the right to plead to our Heavenly Father for the promises that He has made over our lives, that we will receive those things that He said we would. When we enter His presence, we're not bowing down in front of a stranger. We're not trying to make awkward conversation with God. We're entering into his presence with the knowledge that we are sons and daughters of the Most High and with an awakened sense of intimacy and awe of him. We need to be praying in partnership with the Spirit. And don't hear me wrong, we don't demand of God. We don't have the right to demand of God. But the Bible says, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to him. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't just sit on it and think, well, it might happen. Bring those requests to God with a heart of thankfulness. Bring them to him. He wants to hear what's on our hearts. We've got to pray with the Spirit. And so there's just two final things I want to touch on this morning. And the first is uh, the prompting of the Spirit. You know, the closer that we are to God, the closer that we walk with Him, the clearer we hear His voice. You know, if you're feeling like, I'm not really hearing from God right now. Maybe just take a look at your life. Maybe just take stock of your walk with him. Are you actually spending quality time with God? Do you know, if I want to sit down and prepare a preach, I cannot skip my Tuesday or Thursday prayer time because it won't come. It will be like that uphill slog trying to get something prepared for a Sunday morning. I've got to spend time in his presence. And when we walk with God, we will hear his voice clearly. You know, in the book of Revelation, we, we hear this, this vision that John was given by God of the things that were to happen. But he says right at the beginning of that book that he was in the spirit And then suddenly he heard this loud voice like a trumpet. So he wasn't cracking on with his to-do lists. He wasn't busy with life. He was waiting on the Spirit. And then he heard from God. To be revelation ready, to be open to hearing what it is that the Lord wants to communicate with us. We've got to be walking with him. We've got to be walking with him. We've got to have our eyes fixed on him. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what we may find then is that we feel the the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to pray for something. You know... Ruth's got some incredible stories about, about this kind of thing. But I remember a year or so ago, um, that in the morning, Ruth was telling me that she woke up at like 4 a.m. with a, a prompting to pray for someone. And she didn't just pray for that person. She then dropped them a message and, you know, just let them know that she was praying and, and checking in with them. And then it turned out that that person was also awake at 3, 4 in the morning, really struggling And they'd been struggling for a long time with with just depression and and anxiety and and all of this stuff was going on. But Ruth was able to share that, that she'd been prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for this person. And the impact on their life was huge. You know, we've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. So firstly, we've got to walk with God so that we are open and available to hear from him. But then the next thing is we've actually got to act on that. We can't just hear from God and think, yeah, that's good. We've got to put it into action. The quickest way to quench the spirit is to ignore the impulse to pray. You know, I vividly remember this moment in my teenage years. I was at a Christian festival in Manchester and there was bands playing um, and all that kind of stuff. Anyone remember the Worldwide Message Tribe? They were cracking on. It was brilliant. Um, And I remember this girl pushing through the crowds to get to me. And I know what you're thinking. I was a very good-looking lad back then. (laughs) But she pushed through the crowds and she got to me and she tapped me on the shoulder and she shared that she'd felt prompted to, to tell me something, to give me an encouragement. And I'm not going to lie, I've got no idea what it was that she said. But I remember in the moment thinking, that is not for me. I don't know what you're saying, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a criticism. It was an encouraging word, but I was like, I, I, I don't think this is for me right now. But she felt a prompting and she did something with it. Now, I don't know what it was. I can't remember, but it may be that what she spoke was exactly what is happening today. I don't know. But what I would say is that if you feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit, put it into action. Go and give that encouragement. Pray that prayer. Say that thing, whatever it may be. Go to that person. Offer that help. Whatever you feel the Holy Spirit is prompting you, it's better to do it and be wrong, but still give them some encouragement than to not do it and for that person to miss out. And let me be clear here, I'm saying encouragement many times because if what you feel is a criticism or a correction for someone, you better be sure that you are hearing from God before you go and bring someone down. But if what you've got is going to build them up, then go and share it with them anyway. We can never be too encouraged. We can never be too encouraged. So if we hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit don't just hear it, put it into action. You know, I also remember from my, my teenage years that my youth pastor at the time, he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for me that I would quit smoking. I was not smoking. But he prayed that prayer and I let him pray that prayer and whatever, but some people might have taken real offense at that, but I was like, whatever. He's, he's doing what he thinks he needs to do. So you've got to be careful what you're praying, what you're what you're listening to. But, but anyway, we've got to listen to the promptings of the Spirit. And the second and final thing I just want to touch on is, is groanings of the Spirit. Groanings, that's a good word, isn't it? We'll get into the meaning of that in a minute. It says in Romans 8, 26 to 27, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words and the father who knows the hearts of all the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us as believers in harmony with God's own will you know when we don't know what to pray When we can't find the words that we should be speaking out to God, whether it's because of the the magnitude of the the struggle that we are facing, or whether it's because of the the sickness that it is that we're interceding for on behalf of someone else, or whether in our humanity we're just struggling to, to have the right response to a situation. Whatever it might be, it says the Holy Spirit prays for us, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And that word groaning, it's, a, it's got real strength to the, the meaning behind it. It expresses a pain that goes beyond mere physical pain. It's got real depth to it. It can be used to describe childbirth. It can also be used to describe soldiers on the battlefield who are literally dying, sensing their lives ebbing away. That's this groaning that we're talking about here. And the Holy Spirit, when he senses that that we don't have the words to say, when we can't find the words to speak out in prayer, he takes what is in our heart and translates it through groanings to heaven through words that cannot be expressed. And what it says is, God knows. God knows all hearts. And so God understands what it is that the Spirit is saying to him through these groans. So we don't need to pray long-winded prayers. We don't even need to pray short prayers We just need to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit and he knows what is on our heart and he can translate that to the throne room of heaven through groanings. You know, we can pray with words that our human understanding can grasp, but God hasn't left us alone. He says, wait to receive power from on high. Just wait and I will send to you, the Paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us on our behalf with groanings that words can't describe. We can trust in the Holy Spirit to translate the depths of our heart to the throne room of God. We can trust in Him with divine intellect with an infinite vision to take the deepest groans of our heart up to God on our behalf. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And just one final thing. Just one final thing. You know... Our whole lives are to be done in partnership with the Spirit. Everything that we do should be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can only inhabit the areas of our lives that we are willing to give up to Him. And so when we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? We've been singing about it this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill our lives? If there is something within you That you are holding back, He won't inhabit that bit of your life. If you're holding something back from God, the Holy Spirit can work in you and can work through you but not to the full extent that He wants to. So if we're holding something back, whether that's unforgiveness, whether that's habitual sin, whether that's a character trait or an attitude that is not in line with God's Word, if you're holding anything back, if you're not relinquishing full control, you are not experiencing the fullness of the power of the Spirit in your life. And so we need to, maybe even this morning once again, just say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you highlight to me those areas in my life where I've been keeping it back? where I've been keeping it to myself, where I've not been allowing you in.